Welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull, and today, today is definitely a good day. Today, I have a really, really good friend with me. No, I know I'm always saying it, but today is it's really <laughs> a good day. I have a really great friend with me. My friend, John Reardon, is a senior leadership and organization development consultant, and him and I have done so many courses together, and we've spoken so many times. I've seen him just out on the street and out in those offices and, and, and organizations doing some magnificent work. So I was like, hey, look, John, would you grace us and come down and hang out with us for a while? And he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So with no further ado, my good friend, how are you doing today, John? Very good. Thanks, Alex. It's great to see you. I appreciate it. It's been really fun to get to know you and work together and, um, and you know, meet your wife. And it's it's so cool to get to know someone beyond just the the professional work setting um, to the extent that we've been able to. It's been a real blast. Hey, hey, hey John, look, I, I want to kick us off. I want to talk about something that I, I heard that you know something a little bit about. I heard, you know, just a little bit about it. I want to talk about leadership okay. and specifically, again, I, I normally start off with easy questions because I know you, we're going to go to the hard stuff, um, leadership, but not just leadership, not, not just motivating employees, not just, you know, all that delegating, collaborating, but yeah, 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 sure. I want to talk about the supervision and management of employees. Hmm. See, I think a lot of people, we, we know generally speaking in order to elevate and, and excel in your career, you're, at some point you're going to have to lead a group of employees, but leading a group and being a supervisor seems a bit different. Can, can I ask you just your initial thoughts on what's the difference between leading a group or a task force something like that and leading and being a supervisor? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. Um phew. You know, there's a great scene in The Office, in the show The Office, where they interview Kelly Kapoor and they say, so, you know, what if you want to be a manager? And she said, oh, I've learned so much about management from leading my team and, you know, my team this and my team that. And they say, well, Kelly, aren't you the only person in your team? And she goes, yes, but I am very hard to manage. <laughs> that just kills me. And it, I mean, it's funny, but not funny, right? It, like uh, someone else said, I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. It, supervising human beings, I mean, God bless you. It's hard. And it is harder. It, it layers on a layer of challenge that is very distinct from the word leadership, right? Leadership is, is a realm. I love Venn diagrams. Leadership mm -hmm. is a realm supervising is right Techn the technical term supervisory uh, authority supervising role is another circle and they do overlap but there are god bless you you know all the bureaucratic processes all the paperwork all the whatever that mm -hmm. goes with the supervisory role and all the headaches and all the all the repercussions and all the risks and all the right that go with that role um a lot of the elements of leadership 
hey, if I'm not your supervisor, I can blow in and inspire. I mean, I, I do this all the time. I, it's a senior consultant after my name, which basically means I come in, I encourage, I challenge. I can say things that a supervisor couldn't get away with because <laughs> I'm not in the organization. Being in the supervisory role has a lot of layers of complexity, a lot of layers uh, that you better be process and um, and um, and procedure that you better be aware of. Absolutely. Right. Before you have the different. Comp and so, um, yeah, God bless supervisors. It's, it is a very challenging leadership role. You, you, you know what I what you made me just think of, and I'm, I'm going to think of this now moving forever and no disrespect to anyone when I say this. I now see supervision like being a parent. And people like you and I at times when we are not supervising people as like uncles, aunties and grandparents, we can step in and do all the cool stuff and be like, OK, there you yeah. go. <laughs> That's yeah, that right. I see where right with that in that metaphor that as a consultant, I come in, I can say things, do things. Yep. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> I step away. <laughs> Meanwhile, the supervisor's stuck doing performance reviews and doing the paperwork and doing the time cards and doing right all the other right bells and whistles. And you've got to get those right. I mean, there is a lot of process and procedure involved usually, and depending mm -hmm. on your organization, in that supervisory role. And you better follow the right steps and check the right boxes or you're going to be in trouble. Like it, it, there's a lot of, of supervisory burden, if you will. Now, you know, in a good organization, hopefully that can be streamlined, et cetera. The, it is very hard to sustain the energy to lead mm -hmm. in the midst of the burden of supervision, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, you get so caught up in the scheduling and the time cards and the, and the leave requests and all this other stuff that I don't have time or energy to actually inspire anybody. I can barely keep all my ducks in a row. And so it is a particular leadership challenge right, to be in a supervisory role. Yeah, that metaphor around parenting, you know, obviously you have to be careful because it can slip into the, you know, paternalistic or condescending. Oh, yeah, I'm just, Obviously, yeah. <laughs> it's not about treating your people like children. It is about taking on a role of, of responsibility. Too many folks, and I'm sure you've seen this, far too many people, um, move into a supervisory role without realizing what they're getting themselves into, number one. Number two, far too many people are put into a supervisory role because they are content experts, subject matter experts, mm -hmm. and they perform well in the content. And now all of a sudden they're in charge of people and they may or may not have any skill or ability or training how to handle mm -hmm. it. Great with the research, with the, you know, with the whatever, but God bless, I don't know how to work with human beings. And I mean, so being a supervisor is a very, very different thing than being a subject matter expert. Well, and, and that's why, really quickly, everyone, please don't cancel me. Um, this was, I, I prefaced this, right? I was saying, I, I know this is not the right comparison, but it just made me think of like parents, like, you got to make sure the kid gets to school in time. You got to make sure they're fit. You got to, like, these are all things that when I go out and um, I go visit my nieces and nephews, like I'm the fun one. I can teach them stuff. I can motivate the kids. I can do one, all these really great things. And then, okay, love you all. I'm going to head back home. Um, so <laughs> that's where I was going from. But then you, you touched on where I wanted to go in this conversation. Um, 
we as leaders, so this podcast is focused on individuals who want to grow and want to get to the next level of their leadership, wherever that may be. Um, and at the same time, how do you do those, have those significant accomplishments? How do you you move the needle forward on those big initiatives that you know that's so important when you're so focused on the day-to-day grind of just the technical piece, the periodic piece yeah. that you have to do in order to be a, a supervisor. Yeah, if I if I hear you, so now you could you could layer in the a third circle into the Venn diagram, right? So one is supervisory responsibility, tactical, um, you know, practical process and procedure in within the circle of of being a supervisor. The second circle in that Venn diagram is leadership, and that's inspiration, motivation, encouragement, you know, all the those tools and, and skills and abilities that, mm-hmm. that are clearly part of the leadership, whether or not you're a supervisor. But, so now you're both. A third circle is strategic, right? Strategic mm-hmm. thinking, strategic um, um, planning and implementation. And another opportunity for prayer, right? <laughs> another opportunity for like <laughs> how on earth can you possibly carve out the the mental bandwidth and let alone the time and resource for strategic thinking and implementation in a world that is on fire that you're where you're constantly you know i everyone myself included the this the we use that phrase fighting fires fighting fires fighting fires, mm-hmm. putting out what needs to be done right now and i i'm a my own you know case study in this so so i am working at I use that phrase, you know, very intentionally. I'm working at blocking off strategic Fridays. So I try to schedule all my tactical meetings, all my um, all my planning conversation on project implementation on Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I try to block off as much time as I can on Fridays for longer term, for non-crisis mode. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm, I mean, this mm-hmm. conversation being one of them. This this is not a crisis. This is not a have to. This is not something I have to do today in order to deliver to a client on Monday. So so I'm investing time and energy into longer term strategic thinking and then implementation of those. Um, on, and I'm trying to carve that out on Fridays. Now, I have the luxury of, right, of, of um, more control over my schedule than some people may have. Mm-hmm. But the point being. It literally comes down, and this is so much easier said than done, but it comes down to boundaries. It comes down to setting and sustaining boundaries. If, you know, take it all the way back. I love simple metaphors, right? I'm so busy driving down the highway to try to get to my destination because there's a fire and I got to go put out the fire. I don't have time to stop for gas. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but do the math. You're going to run out of gas before Mm -hmm. you get to the destination. Yeah, but we don't have time to stop. We got to get there. I mean, that sounds sounds ludicrous, right? We're all doing that all the time, all the time. If I tell you, you know, Alex, if you're not exercising, you're going to have heart issues by the time you're saying, yeah, but I don't have time to exercise. I got to get all this mm-hmm. stuff so that I can retire. You won't be alive for you to retire <laughs> if you don't stop now and do the. And so it's easy to talk about it. It's very hard to live out to set time aside block off the time which means saying no to other things it's one thing to say carve out i I use that phrase way too much carve out time 
Well, it's not car. It, yes. And that means saying no to something else. Oh, absolutely. And in the metaphor of the firefighting, it's, it's actually a really powerful metaphor because guess what? Firefighters say no. They say no. If that fire is outside their jurisdiction, they don't go. If they've been on duty for a certain number of hours, they are by you know mandated that they have rest time. They they mm -hmm. can't just keep going and going and going. They right. It's clear that that's detrimental. So that so even firefighters have boundaries. So seeing myself as a firefighter isn't necessarily a bad thing, but even firefighters have boundaries. You know, when I when I work with my clients, one one of the things I, I love to suggest and have them implement is like the 80-20 rule, right? Um, and that means if you're if you're breaking your work week into like an 80-20 split, that means 20% of your work week should be no meetings, like time for you to think yeah. and be strategic and be intentional. Um for me personally, um my Fridays are my um are my twenty percent. Like I don't schedule stuff on Friday. So I have time to think and write and read and so on and so forth. Um, and some people break it throughout the week. Uh, I, you know, the, the biggest pushback I generally hear from that, again, we always find a way to overcome it, but the biggest pushback I hear is I can't do that. I'm too busy. And it's, it gets to what you were talking about is not being willing to say no, um, as well as understanding what's important and what's urgent, right? There's a lot of things that are urgent and not as many maybe that are important. Yeah. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. Yeah, that's an old Stephen Covey matrix. Well, I mean, he didn't invent, I think I've heard it attributed to Eisenhower um, that he established this trade-off, you know, matrix between urgent and important. And so being conscious of that, number one, right, aware of, is this both urgent and important? Is it important and not urgent, a la stopping for gas, right? If we don't do that now, it will become a crisis. <laughs> um, the awareness is one thing. The, the ability, willingness and ability are two different things, right? I'm willing to exercise, but I'm not able to get myself to go do it. I'm willing to do the strategic thinking, but I'm not able to get myself to, you know, to, I'm willing to say no to other things, but I don't do that because it's hard. It's, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's easier said than done. It's so much easier to talk about than to actually say no to. And when I say, say no, deferring certain things, Okay, I can't have it to you on Monday, but I can have it to you on Friday. I can't have it to you on Friday because that's my strategic day. So I'll get it to you on Monday. And so the capacity, I'll tell you, more and more, and, and COVID has, has highlighted this, the capacity to establish healthy boundaries. Mm. I think 
you know, boy, if there's a theme that is resonating across everyone I work with and myself, my own yeah. life included, the capacity to establish healthy boundaries, because that underlies all the conversation about work-life balance and, um, you know, uh, uh, work-life balance, strategic thinking, um, you know, long-term, all, all of those, all of that is predicated on, right, this capacity to have healthy boundaries. You know, so two two things on that point. One, I, I love your um, am I willing or able to? Um, I use something very similar, and my wife hates it when I do the, when I do this. Um, but can't versus won't, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't do that. Mm, I mean, you could. I mean, you're choosing not to, but you could. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a literalist, and I and I be, I do believe that if we are more intentional with our words. It, it'll call call us out. Like, I just can't, I can't get up and, and oh my god! Recently, everyone watched this. Okay, so recently um, we read about this thing called the seventy five challenge. No, hard seventy five, hard seventy five. So like it's like a, it's like a it's a challenge for seventy five days to eat better and physically work and work out and and and, and spiritually and all those like get better. And you know. Um, I told myself for 75 days, I was going to one, do that morning fasting. So I didn't eat after 12 um, noon. And I was going to wake up every morning and go to the gym at seven. And um, those are things I, I I just couldn't do earlier. I couldn't do it until I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then every single day I did it. Wasn't hungry. Like I felt so good. Yeah. And is I, I just needed to call myself out. And, and now I'm able to say, you know, Alex, even when I'm complaining and saying I can't do something, I I, I know I can eat better. Yeah. I know I can work out. Um, and you know, to your point about I think we need to also feel comfortable. I think I think we are more likely, I think people are more likely to give you grace than we think they are. Hey, look, I can't I can get this done to you. Can I get it to you Monday? Fridays yeah. are my 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 strategy day. You know, unless there's something yeah. crazy going on, most people be like, okay, sure. Well, I, I, I admire a colleague of mine um, who put it in her email signature. Um, in my effort to, to, to sustain um, my well-being or something, I, sign off, I will be signing off um, each day at 5 p.m. I will return, you know, email, whatever, whatever, as soon as possible, you know, at 8 a.m. the following day, whatever. So, so literally in her signature. So it's not just out of office. It's in every email mm -hmm. she sends is this messaging that, by the way, I'm working to make a personal practice that I sign out at five and I sign. Yeah. And it, it just sort of messages to everyone in a very gentle, respectful way, right? That I'm working on this. And so I'm asking for your support as I try to sustain my health and wellness, as should you also, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And it kind of, I, when I read their signature, I was like, dang, that's a really good, you know, I should have adopted that. It's, um, it, as you said, it, most folks, again, there's a, there's some bad actors everywhere, but yeah, yeah. most folks will be respectful. Now, how to negotiate the agreement is another, right? That's a conversation. But most folks, especially now, Right. If you say to them, hey, in an effort to sustain my balance, well-being, et cetera, then I'm going to say, you know what, Alex, I don't care about your well-being. Well, if that's what they say, then watch out. You're, you know, you're working with somebody who's dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah. So how to negotiate that with others, but it but it really does, 
it really begins with myself, as you're alluding to. Mm-hmm. We often blame as well, my boss won't let me, mm-hmm. my so-and-so won't, are they this and the client that. Well, who promised the client that I would get it to them by Monday? Me, <laughs> right? Who, who took on that piece of work with that client group? Me, right? I'm the one who put it on my calendar in the first place. And so then it cascades back to the the fact that I'm staying up all night trying to get this delivered. I mean, that's my fault. Well, I had to take that on because did you have to, or I chose to, and it, and it gets deep very quickly. Yeah. Talking about people's mortgages. Um, I mean, there's some great stuff out there. Hey, you want to have a more balanced life, sell your car. (laughs) You want to have a more balanced life, live in a smaller house. Like, living within our means and all levels. I mean, it's a really interesting, you get into cultural context and all kinds of stuff. Bottom line, being responsible for the choices that I'm making with my life. Why do you think, if you, if I can just dive a little deeper into that, why do you believe that we set these unrealistic expectations on ourselves at time? Yeah. And then the, the other side of it is, why do we do that when we, when we are willing to give our friends so much more grace than we give us? Like, oh, hey, sweetheart, you can do this. You can. But when we do something, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. How do we do this? Boy, you that's you're diving deep quickly. That you know, culture has mm-hmm. uh, has so much to do with it. The cultural context that I'm in, um, I've had the opportunity um, as as have you to experience different cultures where. Um, that where that's not the case, right? Where there is not that level. And you can talk about the trade-offs and the pluses and minuses, but to become aware of, it's not that, you know, our culture's bad and another culture's better. Yeah. The point is, am I aware of the distinction between um, what elements of this culture I want to buy into mm-hmm. and what elements of this culture I am going to, um, to have a boundary around you know we have a culture of materialism we have a culture of keeping up with the joneses keeping up with the neighbors and you know and all that and that's a cultural norm the facebook culture i've got to make sure my vacation is exciting and i have to put it all on facebook yeah time out am i am i conscious of the temptation to buy into that Mm -hmm. or am i consciously going to say nope i'm not going to buy into that we're gonna drive this old beater car because it's paid off <laughs> and we're not gonna take on another car loan because then that creates the stress on me to take on more work and work later and more nights and weekends. It's like, stop, stop. We're not gonna go on a vacation to, you know, Hawaii and spend, we're gonna drive to, you know, Rehoboth because we can afford that. So um, it has real implications. It has real implications for how I live and and living within, again, within healthy boundaries. Um, There's a great financial program um, by a guy named Dave Ramsey, and he is very harsh around living within your means and and dividing your income into savings, you know, investing and and what you're going to live on. And in America, we live on, we are in a culture where you spend more than you make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he is very, you know, harsh on, that is a cultural norm that is very unhealthy. You know, um, many, many of my listeners have probably heard of um, the wonderful, awesome speaker, uh, Dr. Willie Jolly, um, just a phenomenal individual. 
um, his wife and him do courses and books and all this stuff on marriage and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And and him and I, um, and he's been a mentor of mine for a while. And so my wife and I are, uh, we're always huge, big fans of, of counseling, doing mar- marriage counseling consistently, just to make sure you're always healthy and good, right? Um, and so we ended up speaking to, to Dr. Willie Jolly about this and he gave us some really great advice. What we realized was that there were, aspects of my culture yeah. as an African-American, as a American, um, and so on and so forth, that were not um, jiving well with our marriage. Yeah. And there were aspects of my wife's culture as a Burmese or Myanmarian uh, woman that were not necessarily jiving well with our culture. And that we were having a conversation about um, well, this is how we were raised. This is how I was raised. So on and so forth. I love Willie Jolly and his wife, wonderful wife. She said, they said, um, look, it's not about your culture. It's not about his culture. It's about your culture, the culture of your marriage. So it's under what you're saying right now, John, which is understand what that culture is around you. And then at least you have the ability to pick and choose what you want to keep, what is healthy, what's going to help you reach your goals and so on and so forth. And we can apply that for work too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. You get culture is what's considered normal and you get sucked into a culture without realizing, and it can be long nights and early mornings and late, you know, weekend work and whatever. And that becomes normal as opposed to, okay, wait, stop time out. Can, can I, um, implement something that's what we use this phrase counterculture, right? And I'm going to leave at five o'clock or sign off, you know, at five o'clock. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to sustain a work life balance. Um, and that may be counterculture. So can I do that in a way that's, that works? And coming to the realization that at the end of the day, if that doesn't work, Right. One one um, client said that his supervisor said, we need you heart and soul. And he was like, I am in the wrong place. (laughs) He he looks at his supervisor's lifestyle and he looks at his supervisor boss's boss's lifestyle. And he's like, nope, nope. They're work. They work 24 seven. They're away from their families all the time. They don't know. He's like, what am I doing? That's not what I want. I don't want to be part of this. And so he had to, he left that organization, which again is a, is a harsh reality that it, it can, it can come down to, I use the phrase uh, alignment. We talk about the metaphor of alignment. Yeah. If you've ever driven a car that's out of alignment, right? It's tugging to one side, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. out of alignment. It's shaking and wobbling. <laughs> Are my values aligned, right? With my work, my lifestyle, my finances, et cetera. So I say uh, the core value around family. Yeah, but I never see my family because I'm working mm-hmm. for my mm-hmm. I provide for my family. Okay, so there's something out of alignment. I value my family, but I never see my family because I'm trying to provide for my, okay, wait, time out. Now, you may have to. There may be seasons where I'm choosing to invest overtime and working hard and being away. But if I see over a long period of time that that's a pattern, right now I'm out of alignment. And so considering my core values and are, am I living in such a way that that's, that's aligned with those values? I, I think, I think, I think you may have jumped the, can we still say jump the gun? Um, I, I'm not sure. 
So I, <laughs> I want to take us a step back. I 100% agree with you. Um, and I've gotten to the point in my career that, you know, as I'm looking for opportunities and, and doing work with clients and so on and so forth, um, I am very upfront with who I am and my core values. And this is what I believe. This is how I operate. And if that's not cool with you, it's okay. No hate. You know, I'm just not the right guy. Right. Um, but we both are now talking in a situation that we have core values. How does someone go about creating and identifying their core values? That's a great question. And that that's a, a process. Um, I, I have three um, avenues toward that that I like to use with folks. Because um, it, it's an art form. There's no, I don't believe there's one particular way that's gonna be the silver bullet for that. But in terms of a few different approaches, um, one is I love the exercise called life timeline. And you take a big piece of paper and you lay out the timeline from the day you were born into today and put on there, what are the major life events that you've experienced, ups and downs, and I'm just giving you the very short version of this, obviously, mm -hmm. major experiences, ups and downs, and events and forces. So, so the core question is what forces have shaped you into who you are today, right? Ups, downs, positive, negatives, anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that can be relationships, events, experiences, education, travel, whatever. And then the corollary then is what values, right? Have those experiences, those forces shaped in you. And so when you think about people will say, oh, family is, you know, my family background is so relevant, a big part of my, okay, so what values did your family, you know, incorporate into you? Huh? Well, gosh, now that I think about it, right? Um, I lived in Uganda for eight years, major, major um, significant force, if you will, on my timeline. Okay, well, what core values did that experience shape in you? Huh, right? I mean, I know it shaped me. So how did it shape you? My, you know, my mother was very formative. Okay, well, what values did you gain from your mother? Well, my, my education was so important to me. Okay, well, what values? And so the asking yourself that corollary question. Yeah. And so it's not, I can't stand the exercise of here's a list of 400 values. <laughs> I'm with you. Point. Gosh, <laughs> I guess I have 350 core values. No, you don't. Stop. Stop. There may be 300 things that you think are great. A core value it, it, it is different. I love that term core right down to the kernel of who you are, right? The apple core. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It drives your choices, drives your behaviors. You want it to, if you're not, you know, you can call it aspirational. If I'm not living up to that value, but I want to, right? In a very profound way. So it's not a laundry list of 50 things that I think are great. Oh, excellence and integrity and professionalism and, you know, fairness and equity. I mean, right? <laughs> the list goes on and on and on and on. Time out. Which are the few that really drive yeah. your choices in life? Yeah. Yeah. And so refining it down and it's a process. So life timelines, number one, I'll tell you another one that's really fun is kind of the opposite is what are your hot buttons? Mm. Oh, oh, what are your hot buttons? Because not always, but often underneath a hot button mm -hmm. is a core value that's getting stepped on. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to say, if you don't pardon my friend, what pisses you off? Yeah. Yeah. 
And underneath, right? So for me, I say this example all the time, watching someone drive up on the shoulder and cut into traffic, right? You're waiting in line, patiently <laughs> waiting to go on the exit. Somebody drives up and then they jam in at the last second. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sets me off. Why am I so frustrated by this? So a coach was, I was working with a coach. He's like, let's peel back the layers here. Yeah. Peel it back, peel it back, peel it back. At the end of the day, it's about equity, right? Yeah. It's about respect. It's so disrespectful to everyone who's there because I get just as upset if I see it happening, even if I'm not sitting there in line. Yeah. I don't yeah, care yeah. if I'm waiting in line or I watch it happening, you know, as I go by. I'm like, look, look, that guy's doing it. He's driving up and cutting in. I hate that because it's so disrespectful. Guess what? Respect is one of my core, core values. We're being respectful to other human beings and then being respectful to each other. So you start to distill out if a hot button that really sets you off, peel back the layers and ask yourself why and what core value or core values might be underneath that, that are sort, you know, are the point for, because listen to the difference rather than saying, look at that idiot cutting people off in traffic. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, that behavior is very disrespectful and yeah. I'm not okay with that. And I hope that we as a community are not okay with that. Right. So in the office in with my colleagues, right. Instead of saying, Alex, knock it off. That's, you know, you're being a jerk. Hey, Alex, let's talk about respect and respecting one another. Yeah. Yeah. Can we, do we share that as a core value? Now there's very few people. There may be some who would say, no, I don't care about respecting each other. Okay. Well then I'm in the, then, then we're not going to work well together. <laughs> right? <laughs> Typically it's like, oh yeah. Okay. We do want to be respectful. Okay. Then let's talk about how we implement that and cutting each other off is not respectful. You know, not, you know, grabbing resources, whatever, whatever that's not respectful. So, core values then are individual and then they can become shared as we have those conversations. It, I, I really like that. Um, and you made me think for myself, like what, what consistently pisses me off. I can say that it's my show. I can say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to censor me. Um, what's called, um, so what pisses me off? You know, like my, my wife actually called it out a bit ago. Um, I get really annoyed. Like I'm not great in driving. Like if you are a bad driver, like you're in slow and you're blocking the lane or you move over or, or if we're walking down a, a, a sidewalk and you're a group of people and you're like covering the entire sidewalk, yeah. um, there's, the, uh, there's a whole list. And as I think about it, it's because I want people to consider, be considerate of other people. Right. Like, you know, like if, if me and my friends are walking, Hey, how about we just all move to one side? Yeah. Or if I want to be slow, how about I move out of the fast lane? Yeah. Like, I, I really, I really do like that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit administrative action or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-5555. 
888-333-7 today. Right. Hello. Excuse me. I don't know if you've noticed all these other people. (laughs) Maybe, you know, if you could just take some other people into account for a moment. Yeah. Uh, One of mine. So, so I've kind of boiled over the years. I've, I've, I've distilled, I like that, the the metaphor of, of, you know, boiling it down, distilling it down to, um, to three core values. Now, each of these is broad, but I like to say um, respect, relationships and responsibility. Right. And, mm-hmm. and in no, not in one order or another order, but relationships is everything for me. It's my faith. It's my family. It's friendships. It's coll- collegial relationships that relationships have being in relationship to other human beings is is core to who I am. Responsibility. And again, I don't always play it out. I'm, I'm aspiring to live that out. Mm-hmm. Re- uh, responsibility. Man, I see a piece of trash on the ground and someone steps over it. <laughs> Like, did you not, did you not see that? You, you realize you could just reach down. Well, it's not mine. So if you didn't do it, you just walk past it. Is that how we're going to run the world? Cause the yeah. world's going to go to hell in a handbasket really fast. If we all have that attitude. So, so responsibility is not just, I do my own dishes and nobody else's. That's not how I define responsibility. Being responsible, taking responsibility is more than just, I do my own thing and nothing else. Right. I do mine plus mm-hmm. plus a mm-hmm. little right uh, phrase I picked up over the years is leave it a little better than you found it. Yeah, man. What I mean, what a powerful statement. Just that applies to everything, every relay, every interaction, every place I go physically, relationally, leave everything a little better than I found it. That's a that's taking responsibility um, and then respect, respect for people, respect for the environment, respect, you know, respect for culture, religion, race gender, I mean, just anything, it, it's being respectful. It's not about agreeing all the time. Mm-hmm. We may be, we may disagree profoundly, but I would still strive to be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, I, I know we are starting to come to a close and I know you're supposed to be meeting with the president um, in a few hours. Yeah. You know, Hang on a no, you tell, yeah, tell him I'll be right there. No, the president's just going to have to wait. I'm, I'm on with Alex. <laughs> Yeah, no, he knows Alex. Yeah, no, I know. I thought he'd agree. Okay. <laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. He just didn't fall. <laughs> he, he's got to wait. He's got to wait. <laughs> so, John, I, I, I want to start closing closing us out, but I, I wanted to ask you if there was there's one bit of the device. If there's if there was one thing you wanted to share with the audience, there's only one thing they took um, from this conversation and or something we didn't talk about today. What would that be? Well, I, you know, anyone who knows me is not going to be surprised. I'm going to beat this drum over and over. So there's a quote. I, I, it's a paraphrase of uh, the way I paraphrase it from authors in Goffey and Jones. And there's other other sources for this. But the quote is this. Be yourself with more skill. Be yourself with more skill. Mm. Um, Those five words, right? Man, and and again, we started around the leadership conversation, whether you're a supervisor, whether you want to learn what your values are. I mean, be yourself. Those two words is a lifelong journey, right? Who am I? What an existential question. Be yourself. Learn about who you are being aware of. I like to say, be aware of your values. What do you care about? 
right? If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Are you aware of your values? Mm -hmm. Clarify those. Do you know what your strengths are, right? Or are you just running around putting out fires? Like, what are your core strengths that you bring to the table? And then what's your personality style, right? Are you extroverted, introverted? Are you detail-oriented, big-picture thinker? Are you, you know, a planner or are you an improviser? Like, knowing your personality style. In what I don't care about what model you use. Are you aware of those things so that you can be yourself? Three more words with more skill. (laughs) And you hear the difference, right? Because being myself unbridled isn't necessarily fun for anybody, right? God bless anyone who has to put up with me unbridled. (laughs) Being myself skillfully is a whole nother level of challenge. It's affirming who I am but being skillful, not trying to change who I am, not trying to squash my joy or my, right? But using my strengths skillfully, using my personality skillfully. So that five words, but boy, what a what a, a, a lifelong journey. And one I spent, I wasted way too many years trying to be something else, right? Trying to be more like this or more yeah, like yeah. that. I'm trying to, time out, time out. Be fully myself and be myself skillfully. John. Speaking, well, I'll stop talking. No, look, John, look, John, look, John, 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 thank you. You, you. you are an amazing individual. And you, everyone, you know what I'm about to say. You know what I'm about to say. If you found anything of value from today's conversation, don't just keep it to yourself. Don't hoard it. Don't be that guy or that gal. There you go. Reach back. Don't just look back. Reach back. Bring other people to the table and bring the table to other people. All you got to do is click share, click like, click whatever you want to do. Click some buttons to make these things go out to the world and hit and, and, and be able to influence and impact the lives of so many more. You know, do your part in the world. Oh, I found like I feel like we're like something like, like really motivation. I feel like we're compared to like Nelson Mandela now. We're changing the world. Is it not a fair comparison? OK, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> It is. I, I like to say we idolize, you know, I, I idolize. I have a, a um, Nelson Mandela on my wall. I could, if I could turn my camera around and show you. And, you know, it always seems impossible until it's done. Nelson Mandela. And and we idolize someone like that and think, well, I'll, I'll never be Nelson Mandela. So therefore, I don't have to do anything. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you may not ever be as impactful, well-known, whatever. That's not the point. Yeah. Leave it better than you found it. See, it's, John is the gift that keeps on giving. Okay, <laughs> everyone, you know the drill: stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow the Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.